0: Happy New Year. How does it feel? 2024. I love it. I'm confident. I'm optimistic. I think this can be a great year, although anything can happen and we've got to be ready. Didn't 2023 go fast? Can you believe that one year ago we were going through that stuff with Kevin McCarthy? Would he be the speaker? Remember, Matt Gates was giving him a hard time and uh, he ultimately became the speaker. That did not work out very well. Uh, but things are going to start happening very, very quickly. Uh, Iowa, the Iowa caucuses, that's two weeks from Tonight, Just two weeks from tonight. New Hampshire is after that. I think it's three weeks. Yeah, three weeks from tonight. The next big one after that is South Carolina, the South Carolina primary. And then the next biggie. Well, it's a mega biggie. Super Tuesday. All those states. Donald Trump, of course, is uh, in a solid commanding position. More than commanding. Overwhelming his competition. Don't forget Joe Biden is facing some competition. That could get a little messy for him. All right, now this. Wokeism makes you lose,
1: ruins your mind, and ruins you as a person. You become warped, you
0: become demented. Totally. He totally called it. You become warped, you become demented, you try to justify anti Semitism on your campus, and some people even make a totally unqualified person the president of Harvard University.
1: Dr. Gay,
2: at Harvard, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Harvard's rules of bullying and harassment, yes or no? It can be, depending on the context.
0: It was kind of a miracle that she wasn't fired the very next day, like her friend at the University of Pennsylvania, who gave the same answer about hate speech and was fired immediately. Meanwhile, Claudine Gay, the president of Harvard, She held on, and it was believed she was going to survive it because, quite frankly, being anti-Semitism, anti-Semitic, well, that's kind of a thing on campus. Uh, That's no problem, but turned out she was a copycat, big-time plagiarist, and this is like, she was copying everything, take a look. Even the easy part, this is the dedication, dedicates the paper to some guy named Gary, The methodologist, the importance of getting the data right and following where they lead without fear or favor. Thank you, Gary. Well, she got that apparently from this person who wrote the exact same thing about the importance of getting data right and of following where they lead without fear or favor. Um, And the easy part, she was copying in addition to the hard part. This is what happens when you go woke, right? Nobody cares anymore in the real world what you look like, what your gender is. But in the woke, weirdo world of academia, corporate America and beyond, it's a thing.
2: As a woman of color, as a daughter of immigrants, if my presence in this role affirms someone's sense of belonging at Harvard, that is a great honor.
0: All right. I don't. I think that could affirm, I don't know, You know, the, I looked it up. I didn't know who the university president was when I went to college, but guess what? He turned out to be a white guy. I did not feel any connection to him whatsoever, nor was I supposed to. He was doing his thing, I was doing my thing. But appointing a person that you think, well, looks a certain way and uh, that certain gender will get you some points, really does, like President Trump said, make you a bit demented. And it gives you a false sense of power that, well, if you look a certain way, and you sound a certain way, and you're a certain gender, then you are immune from criticism, immune from attack. Who remembers the Kavanaugh disaster? The disastrous hearings, not him, but his accuser, this person.
3: I believed he was going to rape me. I tried to yell for help. When I did, Brett put his hand over my mouth to stop me from yelling this is what terrified me the most and has had the most lasting impact on my life. It was hard for me to breathe and I thought that Brett was accidentally going to kill me.
0: You know, uh, yeah, that sounds terrible. But without a shred of evidence, nothing, zero, nothing at all, the whole country stopped and watched her. And because she sounded a certain way, because she looked a certain way, Pathetic, quite frankly, with the glasses. It was felt that, well, no one's going to be able to criticize her. And this is the thing. You couldn't, especially if you were a white man. You couldn't criticize her. Just ask the Democrats.
2: The concern is that all the Republicans on the panel are men and they want to avoid an Anita Hill-like spectacle at this hearing. If Republicans attack Dr. Ford and this turns into anything like what we saw back in 1991, women across the country are going to rise up, make their voices heard, and Republicans will pay a very huge price.
0: Now, I think that's ridiculous, but a lot of people don't think it's ridiculous. A lot of Republicans, a lot of conservatives are willing to play this silly game about optics. So when it came time to cross-examining Christine Blasey Ford and her really flawed story with all kinds of holes, you could drive an aircraft carrier through, Senator Grassley didn't do it, Uh, nobody took her on. They hired somebody who was like a guidance counselor. Take a look. Uh,
4: With that, Uh, uh, Ms. Mitchell, uh, you have my five minutes to ask questions.
5: Good morning, Dr. Ford. Hi. We haven't met. My name is Rachel Mitchell. Nice to meet you. I just wanted to tell you the the first thing that struck me from your statement this morning was that you were terrified. And I just wanted to let you know I'm very sorry. Um, That's not right. Um, I know this is stressful. And so I would like to set forth some guidelines that maybe will alleviate that a little bit.
0: This was the person they brought in to cross-examine the witness. Nobody wants to do it. Nobody wants to do the hard stuff. Nobody wants to, ooh, somebody might say I'm uh, this or that. What about the truth? Somebody might say you're committed to getting the truth. No offense to this uh, lady, she was hired to do a job, but she's not a United States senator. They were intimidated because Christine Blasey Ford looked pathetic. It's all about how you look, and they think that the complexion will offer protection. Curtis while gave me that rhyme. Take a look at this, please.
5: Not only a place on our calendars, but a place in our collective memory. December 7th, 1941. September 11th, 2001. And January 6th, 2021.
0: All right. Now that is preposterous. We all know that. Anybody with the brain to elevate January 6th to 9-11, how do you get away with this nonsense? How do you? Well, you hide behind sympathetic figures. And nobody could question, say, a bunch of police officers, right? If you find the right cops who will tell the story you want told, somehow you, that story will stand because Republicans might even be inhibited from cross-examining them aggressively. And then these guys can yell and scream all they want. The indifference shown to my colleagues is disgraceful. I would have said this to Michael Fanon, I have no problem going through your stuff and finding this. Right now, one of those parties has a cancer and we got to cut it out. Do <laughs> you think this guy's a neutral witness? He's got an axe to grind against half the country? Want that? cut it out? This is the place... Anyway, you can't say anything because he's a good old boy cop. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what uniform they wear. It doesn't matter. It matters the evidence they provide, but not anymore. Not in this crazy, woke world we live in. Take the... Uh, let's say on January 6th. The women of January 6th. Remember these? Probably not, but uh, you'll be reminded of them on Saturday. That's the third anniversary of January 6th. So these women saw nothing, knew nothing, but when they testified, they looked awfully good doing it. Very attractive, some might say. And the media, weirdly at times, focused on their youth and their gender. My conversation
1: with three young women who worked in Donald Trump's White House. These young women went public, even as many of the men they worked with, some in more senior positions, stayed silent or actively enabled and excused Trump's actions. January 6 committee vice chair Liz Cheney singled out these young women as truth tellers after they provided some of the most compelling testimony of her committee's historic hearings.
2: And I will tell you, it is especially the young women. Young women who seem instinctively to understand the peril of this moment for our democracy. And young women who know that it will be up to them to save it. And I have been incredibly moved by young women that I have met and that have come forward to testify.
0: It's almost like a fetish with these people, the young, the women, but it's a strategy. They think it's difficult for people to, well, question young women. What could be more powerful after Me Too than a young woman? I will point out that on January 6, 2020, there were men and women, mostly men, in Afghanistan. We were still at war, all right, putting things in perspective. But this is, this is now with the fixation. This just happened on the This Week uh, ABC show with the young women cut it out already, but they keep with it.
1: Some of the most compelling testimony of the January 6th committee came from women in their 20s. Sarah Matthews, the deputy press secretary, who was just 25 years old when she resigned that night. And Cassidy Hutchinson, the 24-year-old top aide to Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, whose riveting testimony
0: was front page news across the country. You see, um, but even by their own definition, they actually didn't see anything. Um, let's, uh, Let's see what they have to say.
1: And Cassie, you faced, I mean, you lost friends and all of that, but, I mean, you faced death threats. I
0: mean, you
5: you, you had to leave
1: town and get security.
5: I moved to Atlanta for some I mean, months. I mean, you
1: had-
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's having the time of her life. She's a millionaire now, you know? Um, and if there was a threat, a death threat, why wasn't anybody arrested? Nobody should threaten anybody. You should arrest those people. Nobody threatened her. Next, please.
5: There was never a second guess of whether it was right or wrong and to this day I truly believe I I gained so much more than I lost. I I gained a whole new sense of community, a whole new sense of leadership, a different perspective on how our government should be run and what a responsible president actually looks like, but also on how perilous this moment we're facing as a country is.
0: You can find the truth in the middle of this stuff. She switches to the talking points. Oh yeah, How perilous, looks at her friend, how perilous, but gained a lot more than she lost. You betcha, you betcha, a number one bestselling book on the New York Times bestseller list. She made millions of dollars here. Now, this is a fake bestseller, all right? Nobody wants to actually read this story. Uh, What else do we have here? I've got that. Oh, and she got her dream of being on television. She went on all the fake news shows, and this was a thing with her. She was one of those people who would go to the Today Show and Good Morning America and stand in the background. I think we have a picture of her behind her idol, Lara Spencer. <laughs> there she is when Lara was doing the news or whatever. There she is. And, and, I, and she tweeted about this. I love waking up watching GMA. It's her dream. Where's the one that says it's her dream? It's her, You're such a great influence for younger generations to... I aspire to your career path, actually obsessed with Lara Spencer, that kind of thing. You know, why work? Why actually try something that you may fail at and get good at, like, just take a shortcut. Just spill the beans, even if you don't have any beans, and all right, let's do a few more.
2: From there, they were, uh, you know, you were able to meet in the basement of the Capitol and- With, with,
1: With Liz Cheney.
2: Yeah. So, In that
1: little, She had a little basement yeah, office, yeah,
2: she,
5: no
1: windows, <laughs> down an unmarked corridor. I, it was, was
5: all very secretive. <laughs> literally, it was all very secretive, too.
0: See, Bottom, they're still just silly 20-somethings. They're just kind of silly. Do um, you, you get that sense? I certainly do. That's my takeaway. This whole thing is a con job. Next.
5: After I resigned from um, the Trump administration, I ended up going back to Capitol Hill and was working on Capitol Hill for a Republican there and kind of had resumed a seemingly normal life. And um, it wasn't until Alyssa reached out and said, the January 6th committee is interested in talking with you.
0: Resigned from the Trump administration. Makes it sound like she was secretary of state. She was a staffer, worked in some office. It wasn't even there on January 6th. Watched it on television next.
5: I honestly thought that that was going to be the end of it. I thought that, "Mm, you know what, I don't have anything that's super compelling. I didn't talk to the president on that day. So I thought I'm going to cooperate, of course, because I'm sympathetic to the cause, but this will probably be the end of it and I'll point her in the right direction. And during that conversation, I said, you know who you really need to talk to next is Cassidy Hutchinson.
0: (laughs) Cassidy Hutchinson, you got to talk to her. She didn't see the president on January 6th either. Never talk to him. This is so bad, so phony, such a scam, and we're going to expose them all eventually. I'll be right back with more of this. Oh, and John Fetterman, uh, well, he had a real moment this weekend. Be right back.
1: Playing that incredible role you
5: played, Mr. C- Cipollone said something to the effect of, "Please make sure we don't go up to the Capitol, Cassidy. Keep in touch with me. We're going to get charged with every crime imaginable if we make that movement
1: happen." It was the emotional, dramatic highlight of that entire committee.
5: I appreciate you saying that.
0: Sorry, I'm almost done with this. This is um, this is what it's all about money, fame, attention. It's not about the truth. Next.
2: I think I had told you you should consider talking before it ultimately came together.
5: Yeah, Uh, Alyssa did reach out in early October of 2021. So this was about a month before I was formally subpoenaed. And I was at this really delicate point in my so-called journey in all of this where I, I really wanted to come forward.
0: So-called journey, what's that all about? What do you actually call it? All right, last one, I promise.
5: But I also had concerns about it. I didn't know if there would be any lasting implications, and ultimately I told Alyssa that I would talk to Liz Cheney if it meant that I wouldn't be subpoenaed because I, I had been on the Mar-a-Lago payroll for several months and I hadn't found another job yet, so I didn't have a lot of... I, I didn't have money to pay for an attorney, uh... And then I was to a month
0: later. She was on the Mar-a-Lago payroll after this, but didn't have it, wasn't, look, it's so strange. There is a, apparently a financial incentive there. How much does it cost to hire a lawyer for a morning of testimony anyway? This whole thing stinks. And uh, the three of them there on the end was Alyssa Farah Griffin, is that her name in the blue? So she worked in the Trump administration. Now she works at CNN and The View. Yeah, she's on The View. Why bother, I don't know, doing all the things you have to do to be on The View? Joy Behar, not exactly my favorite show or anything like that. At least she was a comedian for a number of years before she got on the big show. This is what happens when you go woke. This is what happens when you are focused on complexion or gender or beauty. Um, you get somebody like Roxanne Gay, all right? She's going to be, I'm sorry, Claudine Gay, the president of Harvard University. Um, Yeah, she's going to be great. We don't have to look at her resume, because if we do, well, her resume... Look, I don't evaluate academic resumes all that often, but apparently, according to those in that world, she did not have the credentials to be the president of Harvard, not even to get these jobs here. Look at a previous president of Harvard University, Larry Summers. This guy was a, a cabinet secretary. Uh, head of this bank, that bank. He was like a tenured professor at the age of 25. Um, yeah, that's kind of what it takes, a lifetime of excellence, of superb achievement to get these jobs. There's a report, by the way, that she'll continue to make $900,000 a year um, even as an ex-president. She's gonna stay at Harvard, she's a tenured professor, and she'll still be making that money. You know, this wokeism, <laughs> the Democrats will not learn their lesson about DEI from this episode. They should, but they won't. Their muscle memory, they are still kind of addicted to the idea that ethnicity and race and sexuality mean something, and that's why they may turn to Michelle Obama before this year is out, to replace Joe Biden on the Democrat ticket. Our friend Joel Gilbert has been on the show many times. He is convinced that will happen. He wrote a book about it, he's got a movie about it, Michelle 2024, and I think there's something to that. All right, so that brings us to 2024. How you feeling about this year? Do you have any resolutions? Around this time of year, I'd like to point out one of my favorite quotes from Tony Robbins, you know the self-help guru? He said, most people overestimate what they're going to do in a year. And they underestimate what they can do in a decade, or two, or three, or four years, or two, or three, or four decades, maybe. Uh, I'm no Barack Obama fan at all, but look at what he did just an ordinary state senator. Three years later, he'd lose a run for Congress. And by 2007, 2008, 2008, he wins the presidency. Bush, kind of similar. Uh, in 1991, 1990, he was like, what was he? The fourth, he was the front man for the Texas Rangers, who was the the fourth place team at the time hadn't been elected governor, hadn't been elected anything. Um, Donald Trump, 10 years before he became president, um, 10 plus years, he was really doing well on The Apprentice, but nobody was talking about him as a presidential candidate anymore. Did you guys see this? It's so awful what's happening in America right now. Take a look. Things got really wild in New York City, the uh, Hamas terrorist supporters closed access to the airports and uh, a lot of other facilities. And the police have been encouraged by the mayor of this city to just let it happen. It's okay because he kind of agrees with their cause, that's my sense. He plays both sides a lot. There was a terrorist attack also, a balloon the size of a Mack truck was floated over the airport, JFK airport. If a plane had hit this thing, well, I think that's an attempted terror attack. We never talk about the hostages anymore and we should. How many days had they been held in a captivity? 87 days and hardly, hardly anything about them, huh? We need to get them back. Also this. I'm curious, what sort of holiday foods have you been enjoying over the last few days?
4: Well, I've been eating everything that's put in front of me. I've been eating pasta, which I love.
2: Yeah. Eating a
4: lot of chicken, chicken parmesan. I've been eating all, all Italian foods, basically. And ice cream. And ice cream. Chocolate chip ice cream.
0: It's not fighting anti Semitism. Doesn't talk about white supremacy anymore because that was all a great big phantom. He's not going to make it. Does anybody think he's going to make it? No, the Democrats are going to get rid of him. Watch. All right, we'll be right back.
4: Hey, guys, it's Carson. Christmas just passed, but I have a really great gift idea. You can still give yourself. Why don't you give yourself the new streaming service, Newsmax Plus? Move over Netflix and Disney Plus and Hulu. Just start Newsmax Plus. I subscribed. I love it. Get Newsmax Best Shows with Rob Schmidt, Eric Boulding, Greta Van Susteren, Greg Kelly, and more. You also get lots of movies, documentaries, history, comedy. Newsmax Plus just signed up more than 180,000 people. Newsmax Plus lets you watch the Newsmax channel on your phone or home TV app. And Newsmax Plus is the only streamer to give you all the Donald Trump rallies. Fox News censors most of them. So get Newsmax Plus today. It's free to start. Just go to NewsmaxPlus.com. That's Newsmax, spell the plus, dot com. Start your free subscription. Again, NewsmaxPlus.com. That's NewsmaxPlus.com. Millions are switching to Newsmax. So try it free today.
0: So you know the leadership of Iran wants to eradicate the existence of Israel and maybe even us, the United States. Why did Obama and why does Biden go so easy on them? Why does America send them so much money? What is happening? Uh, You know, they are on the verge of getting a nuclear weapon. And uh, if that happens, well, Israel would be in very serious trouble. But they've got us. Israel does. Uh, More recently, Iran is causing all kinds of trouble in the Red Sea with their uh, war vessels. Rick Grinnell joins us, former acting director of national intelligence and very close associate of Donald Trump. There they are in the White House together. And here they are, I think, in the back of a car taking a selfie. (laughs) Wait a second. That looks like it might be a helicopter. Uh, Rick Grinnell joins us right now. Rick, where is that last picture, if you don't mind? Uh, That's aboard Marine One. I thought so. Very cool. Very cool. Rick, Iran, the administration going very light, very easy, it seems. What's your assessment of where we are right now?
3: Look, I have uh, friends inside the intelligence community, inside the State Department, inside DOD, the Department of Defense, who are all very concerned that we have now seen the Houthis, the Iranian backed militia groups uh, in Lebanon, in Syria, in Iraq all coming at uh, Americans, our allies, our assets, and it's up to more than a hundred attacks. And yet the Biden administration is not doing much. And so we've got career officials who are very concerned that we're sending a message of weakness. Now, I've been saying to my friends inside, you you shouldn't be surprised that Joe Biden is weak in his response. He actually gave the Iranian regime six billion dollars plus we know that he gave credit, cash. He gave a sanctions relief. He gave the ability to sell oil. All of the things to normalize the relationship with Iran. Greg, look, at the end of the day, the Joe Biden team believes that they can talk the Iranian regime out of this, and uh, they should uh, wise up every single time Barack Obama and Joe Biden have tried to engage with Iran. The Iranians
0: have laughed and upped the ante. It's the it's it's the Americans that look foolish. It's been 87 days since Hamas took uh, those hostages and did such damage to Israel. Uh, they may regret it. I'm not sure yet. Uh, the war is not over. From time to time, by the way, you may be seeing photographs of uh, of hostages that. You know, it's almost uh, as if I don't want to say forgotten. I know they're working on it. We're aware of it, but it doesn't seem to be all that much of a priority. I mentioned the uh, American hostages in Iran. The whole country was on the edge of their seat for uh, over a year. They have successfully kind of minimized this issue. The Biden administration have they or is that deliberate or is that just the media being the media? Well,
3: I think they they are being deliberate, the administration, and trying to downplay it. The media, of course, is always willing to help the Democrats. There's no pushback, so there's no shame. I mean, look, we've had the president, we've had the secretary of state, we've had the head of the CIA, and we've had the secretary of defense all go to the region and come home empty handed. They have not been able to form uh, a diplomatic response whatsoever. I don't understand why Anthony Blinken doesn't go and park his uh, big, huge jet in Doha and just say to the Qataris, I'm not coming home unless I have the American hostages. And lastly, let me just say, today we saw the State Department spokesman critique uh, some Israeli politicians for how they were responding to this issue. I think that it's shameful to see the United States State Department trying to critique Israel when Hamas still has their hostages and our hostages. The State Department should shut up, support Israel, and let's concentrate on getting the Americans home. Don't be critiquing the Israelis right now as they're trying to find hostages after 87 days and bring them home. Shame on the State Department for using their bully pulpit to go
0: after Israeli politicians, for heaven's sake! You know, while you were talking, there was Ariel Bibis, a four-year-old, a four-year-old. Somehow I thought that the, the little toddlers had been released. There's a four-year-old being held hostage. This is uh, a guy named Colin Kahl, a former defense official in the Biden administration. Take a look at this.
3: Back in 2018, uh, when the previous administration decided to leave the JCPOA, uh, it would have taken Iran about 12 months uh, to produce one fissile, uh, one one, uh, bomb's worth of fissile material. Uh, Now it would take about 12 days.
0: I don't know if that was a slam of the the previous administration. Something tells me it was, because that was all the way back in February. Uh, But they are very, very close to getting a nuclear weapon.
3: It's amazing what the Iranians can do when they get sanctions, relief, and money from the Biden team. Uh, They sped up this whole process. Remember, they started getting sanctions, relief, and some of this money earlier in 2023. So they've been working on this now for a year. They've known that they could dupe the Biden team for three years. So the the Iranians have sped up. Look, there's a fundamental belief— that uh, the Biden team and and Colin Kahl, all of these people at the Defense Department, they believe they can talk the Iranian regime out of their nuclear weapon that's somehow dangling in front of them the international community membership is somehow going to convince them to give up their nukes. Uh, This is a radical regime that systematically denies people basic human rights and pushes gay people off buildings. You are not
0: going to be able to talk them out of a nuclear weapon. Hey, by the way, you were at the UN. And as we say goodbye, there's a picture of you, I think at the Security Council, it looks like you're voting. Drop the banner, please. There you are representing the United States. Um, You weren't technically the ambassador, but you got to vote. Tell us how this happened.
3: Well, John Danforth, who was the U.S. ambassador to the U.N., made me an alternative voting member in 2004. So beginning in 2004, I was there eight years, as you know, from 2001 to 2008. Uh, but in 2004, halfway through, John Danforth gave me voting rights, and I voted
0: several times. Well, that's very cool. Hey, Nikki Haley made those votes uh, the centerpiece p- of a presidential campaign. You know, she voted, therefore she can be uh, she can be president. All right. Well, listen, we hope you guys, the Trump team, gets back there in a big way. Are you optimistic about 2024?
3: I am because I see a lot of independents and I see a lot of Democrats beginning to complain about the overreach of the progressive Democrats in the Biden team. Look, you, you've got Gavin Newsom, you've got, uh, you know, several, David Axelrod, several others who are complaining about trying to kick Trump off the ballot. I think the uh,
0: the Democrats have completely overreached. All right, thank you very much, Rick Brunel. To be continued, we'll be right back.
1: It's our America. We built it. Courage, freedom. Millions go to Newsmax when they need to know. Start today on the free Newsmax app. Newsmax is real news for real people.
0: Well, I got to admit, a little over a month ago, I had never heard of this woman. I've never, never seen this woman. But now she's uh, very, very famous, and now she is, well, kind of unemployed. Claudine Gay is no longer the president of Harvard. She quit today. Actually, I'm not sure when it takes place officially. Look, this had to happen. At that uh, hearing, she made a total fool out of herself and revealed herself to be, what, an anti-Semite sympathizer or maybe even an anti-Semite herself? You remember what happened. Well, the pressure was intense. But then we found out she was a great big copycat, plagiarizing all over the place, even the easy stuff like the dedication in her term paper uh so she had to resign this is what al sharpton said about all of this Uh, al sharpton oh my goodness president gay's resignation is about more than a person or a single incident this is an attack on every black woman in this country who's put a crack in the glass ceiling man talk about uh living in your own world there al All right. Now, what does this mean? We'd actually like to go right to Harvard. Shabas Kastenbaum is a Harvard University grad student. He's studying theology at the Harvard Divinity School. Sir, welcome to uh, Newsmax. And I saw you earlier on TV. You've been great on this issue. Welcome. How are you and how's this going over at Harvard?
6: Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. Um, On the one hand, I was taken aback. I was not anticipating this simply because the Harvard Corporation has dug themselves into this mandate of DEI where they cannot admit any wrongdoing. At the same time, I'm elated. I'm very disappointed, of course, that it had to lead to this. But ultimately, when you have someone who has overseen the loss of a billion dollars in donations, who refused to say more than 17 times under oath in front of Congress that calling for the genocide of Jewish people goes against school policy, someone who's had serious accusations of plagiarism leveled against her, it's obvious that someone like this had to leave. I'm sorry it took this long. I'm sorry it got to this point. But let it be a moment of introspection whereby we can realize that the DEI nonsense, this racial identity over intellectual Intellectual worth has got to go. Because
0: let's face it, um, she was hired because she's a black woman. Now, I think when you do that, my sense is, you just, if you really want to make a diversity hire, you don't look very far. You don't look very hard, right? You just find the first one you can find, whatever it is you're looking for, and you go with it. There might be a much more qualified black woman out there somewhere but they didn't, they didn't make it about the merit. She had no business being the president to begin with, right?
6: Yeah, I I can't get into the speculation of why she was chosen. What I can say is that Brett Stevens of the New York Times wrote just today that you can't look at someone like Claudine Gay, someone who's written less than 11 scholarly papers, which is less than a typical doctoral student publishes in a year, and say that that person was clearly qualified to lead one of the most important academic institutions, not in the United States, but in the world. And forget about the plagiarism accusations for a second, because I wanna be clear, that was the nail in the coffin. But it is not what led to her resignation. What led to her resignation was a grassroots effort by Harvard students, Jewish and non-Jewish, black and white, of people coming together and realizing that enough is enough. We just wanna learn. We wanna have an educational experience. We don't wanna be yelled at as we're walking to class that we should globalize the intifada. We don't wanna be accosted physically or spat on as many people have been at Harvard University. And there has been a total abdication of moral leadership, of ethical leadership, And again, I'm sorry for Claudine Gay, but
0: this is entirely uh, self-inflicted. Here's Claudine Gay in happier times shortly after she got the big job up there at Harvard.
2: As a woman of color, as a daughter of immigrants, if my presence in this role affirms someone's sense of belonging at Harvard, that is a great honor.
0: Sense of belonging at Harvard. Do you feel like you belong at Harvard lately?
6: Yeah, I mean the 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 SNL skits really write themselves at this point. This is someone who has championed, quite literally, championed the ideals of diversity, equity, and inclusion. The fact that there is binary idea, there is a a binary system of oppression and oppressor, and Jews have the misfortune of being categorized as white, and we are inherently oppressors for the past three months, really the tenure of her leadership. I have been told that I am a terrorist sympathizer. I have been told that the rape and brutalization and beheading of my people was a hoax. I've had people who I sit in classrooms with, post on their social media, praising Hamas, Phrasing the Houthis, and there has been no accountability, the fact that we've had in the past, historically, students who've made racist comments, misogynistic comments, and there was immediate and clear discipline. But when it comes to anti-Semitism and outright Jew hatred, there has been such a dragging-by-the-feet mentality. There's such a inability to clearly say that Jewish lives matter just as much as black lives, as LGBTQ plus lives. And I just want to make one more point. I'm happy to compare my progressive credentials any day of the week. I spent my 18th birthday registering to vote as a Democrat. I voted for Bernie Sanders. I marched for Black Lives Matter. But my own people, my liberal and progressive friends, refuse to accept me and the Jewish people as equal. And enough is enough. This is a great point where we can say on January 2nd that we are not going to take this anymore. We matter, and we deserve a seat at the table just as
0: much as anybody else. Shabazz, you're totally brilliant. You voted for Bernie Sanders? Are you crazy? <laughs> Don't hold it against me. <laughs> just kidding. Listen, uh, I, uh, I, do, I read that Brett Stevens piece. They barely looked. For a president, if they had taken their time, I'm sure there's a black woman out there who could have done the job and had the credentials to do the job. But when you go woke, you go uh, stupid. Listen, the the
6: woman, the woman she plagiarized, Carol Swain, is a black woman. And I would wholeheartedly support her being the next president of Harvard
0: University. Shabazz uh, Kessenbaum, good luck. When do you finish your schooling and what are you going to do after that? This spring and I'll keep you posted. (laughs) All right. Good luck. And we'll be
6: right
3: back.
2: what point did you know you needed real help, that you needed to check yourself into a hospital?
7: Uh, at, at that point, I was able to keep myself some in check, where it's like I can hold myself together until the election. But that was October 25th, and the election was, I think, November 8th. So I was able to kind of keep myself enough to keep my, uh, together. And then after the election, that's when things actually accelerated and got worse. And at that point, I wasn't able to leave bed.
0: I'm sorry that John Fetterman was down in the dumps. Depression severe. It's a real thing. But why not be honest with the people back then? He wanted to keep it under wraps until the election. That's not fair. He's getting all kinds of points for being completely honest. He wasn't honest. He wasn't. This is wrong. Uh, Next, please. This is John Fetterman on Meet the Press, the senator from Pennsylvania now
2: at a certain point, the medical team came to you and said you were in remission.
7: What was that moment like? It's amazing you use that exact word. Yes, absolutely. You know, the the lead doctor sat down and I was thinking, okay, what's this? Um, and, And he's like, we've concluded your depression is in remission.
0: I've never heard that about depression. I've heard of about cancer. They don't explain, what does that mean? They don't even explain, like, what was it, why was he so down? They just ask him, what was it like when they told you, or what, what was it like when you checked in? But not, why were you so down in the dumps to begin with? I know there's chemistry involved and all that kind of stuff, but people want to know, all right? What was really, and they didn't ask any of that stuff. Very strange. Watch this interviewer. The same one who said Trump couldn't talk about the laptop at the debate. Remember her? You also took
2: the chance to speak publicly about it. Mm -hmm. How worried were you about sharing, about being honest about what you were really going through? Were you scared?
7: Yeah, I was uh, desolate.
2: Can you talk about what it was like those first few days of being in treatment.
0: All right, it's lame, it's lame. Most people can't go to the hospital and kick back for a couple of weeks, months even, and still get paid, whatever. Um, They had a whole show, Meet the Press, dedicated to uh, mental health. And that's actually a pretty good thing. But there was something about it that really bothered me. Here's some highlights.
2: This morning in a special broadcast on the nation's mental health crisis, we will have a conversation about all of it. How do we talk about mental health? Let's start by talking about the youth mental health crisis. The Surgeon General, as you know, has called it the defining public health issue all of right. our time. Here's, Medical here's my
0: issue. They're, official after official, they're talking about this, and it's good, right, talking about mental health. You know what they never talk about? Faith. The Bible. That's it doesn't come up. Thanks, guys. Um, I've spent money on a psychiatrist before. It doesn't. I mean, faith is so much better. This culture of ours is really crazy. Donald Trump holds a Bible in front of a church. Do you remember how outraged everybody was about this? What could be wrong with this image? And here we are in 2020. Was it last year, 2023, when they had that big I don't know what it was, LGBT queer gathering at the White House. This was beautiful and right, but a president holding a Bible in front of a church. The Bible, the Bible, New Year's resolution. Mine a couple of years ago was to start reading the Bible. It was the greatest thing I ever did. I highly encourage it, and I'll be right back. Hey, everybody, back. Happy New Year. This is a highlight of my time off. My little daughter, Annalise, got to ride a pony. (laughs) It was so great. Uh, Oh, I don't know if she's going to be a lifetime equestrian, but uh, lots of fun. Hope you had a fantastic break. And uh, let's do this, all right? 2024. We'll see you tomorrow.